Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to Championship Week episode of the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as usual, sometimes. Occasionally. The the, uh, College Football Playoff Selection Committee fluffer. Brian Goers. It is great to be back. Not joining us today uh, is Colin Anthony, who is in jail. We can't really talk about it due to yeah. uh, son of Sam laws, yeah. but uh, yeah. just you know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. I wonder if uh, it'll come up during the Kansas news segment. <laughs> it's possible. So uh, obviously, this is the first week we are having the Mazodcast where there is no Mizzou game. This season is over for us. No bowl game. Yeah. Or any of that stuff, but it was an exciting week of college football, so we thought we'd bring you an episode anyway. And uh, I think we should probably just dive right into uh, to the playoff picture because uh, this is Sunday morning while we're recording this. The games are over and the championships are set, and so we now leave it to the selection committee to see who will be in the college football playoff. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think there are three teams, in my opinion, who are just kind of they're they're in it. I mean, they've done enough. They're in, and mm-hmm. the question then becomes, what do you do with the fourth? That's right. And musical this chairs. Where, this is where the the selection committee finally gets to, like, oh, people are going to hate them. <laughs> they can't win. Yeah, they cannot win in this situation. No, situation. and Brian and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, which is the whole reason we have a college football playoff now after many years was that somebody was always getting fucked. Mm-hmm. There was always a team who could make a case that they belonged in a championship game, even before there were championship games, or, you know, who would be the number one, who deserves yep. to be named champion. And the playoff is put in place to sort of eradicate that, but it just can never be eradicated. Uh, but Brian brought up a good yeah. point, uh, which is that instead of arguing who should be one and two, we're now arguing who should be number four and five. Right. Which is an improvement. It is, it is. Because I think what you see is you've got Alabama is just, Head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, we'll see how they play now against these these better competition. You know, the SEC. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show as well. How how the SEC is doing this year? But Alabama has clearly earned every bit of the number one ranking. Will be the top seed in the playoff period. They have, they have earned that. All season, and no long. one can dispute it. Mm-hmm. Then what happens though is you've got what five teams maybe that you could argue could be in the next three slots and three of them are in one conference yeah yeah and the the thing that i think 
like I'm not going to freak out. And granted that I don't have a horse in this race, so I understand Ohio State fans and Penn State fans and you Michigan, know, fan. Michigan fans saying like, oh, well, it should be blah, blah, blah. But why it doesn't almost matter to me who they pick is because you're going to get three really good other teams. Mm -hmm. And so for me, looking at sort of the legitimacy, quote unquote, of the playoff situation is, did you get four teams that could argue they should be in there? And I think you will. Mm -hmm. And there will be one team that's probably left out, but it's like, eh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't quite cry for them the same way that, that I would have maybe in a BCS era where it's like, if you're in the same situation, right, who's the second best team in the country? Who plays Alabama in a BCS this year? Right. And it would be anarchy. Toss up. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think because we don't have a dog in this fight, everyone in the country should listen to us because we're the that's most right. neutral, unbiased source. Of, that's right. For once. It, but I also think that the teams that don't make it while they're – fan base is bound to be upset Mm -hmm. they can look back at their record and there will be a black mark that says well this is why we didn't get in and we really can't make an argument against it because we did something you know we didn't do everything we needed to do yeah and so you know somebody's going to feel bad about it but they're also going to have a reason why they're on the outside looking in and i think you know there's been a lot of talk whether the selection committee should focus on conference champions whether they should focus on you know who's heating up at the end or you know whose overall record who they played in the non-conference schedule what the criteria should be i think i mean when i look at the top four teams who should be in the playoff my criteria is do they stand a realistic chance Mm -hmm. of winning the title because i think like the university of washington for instance in the pac-12 who i feel has earned their right to be in but i also feel like probably of the five six seven teams Maybe they seem the shakiest. Yeah, they maybe have the least likely ability to beat an Alabama. Now, that's all speculative, but that's what you have to do when you're on that selection committee is speculate. I would pick Washington, which kind of goes against my own premise here, but uh, I feel the same way about Penn State. I don't see them yeah. beating Alabama. So it's it's a really tough, tough job to make that pick. Yeah, I think you're hitting on, though, what everyone is like scratching their heads about because, okay, Pac-12 championship – one loss team, they have, quote, earned their way into the mm-hmm. the playoff. Well, move over to the Big Ten. You have a Big Ten champion mm-hmm. who has two losses, yes, but has beat the team who currently is ranked second. In the country. And then went on and won their, their conference championship. So do you reward, you know, Washington with that, like, the eye test thing? Eh, I mean, they're good. They got a really good quarterback. But, well, you know, I don't know that they can hang with the big dogs here versus, you know, Ohio State and Penn State. Then how do you pick Penn State? Or how do you not pick Penn State going off of what you just said there? And that's why I think this is, like, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, two, I think the rankings come out on Tuesday night. Yeah. I think the reason you put Washington in for, any, you know, when it gets political is you're going to alienate an entire section of the United States wow, if you don't sure. pick Washington. Yeah. There's a lot of people on the West Coast, and they, they, people don't watch their football because they're so late. And you can see even in the Pac-12 championship, they don't watch their football. Yeah. There was a lot of empty seats in that yeah. stadium. But the fact of the matter is, if if they have a conference champion who is twelve and one, and you don't choose them, you're basically saying Pac five, part of the Pac twelve isn't a Power Five conference. That's true. And uh, you know, if I'm a Pac twelve team, I say fuck you to the entire college football world if, yeah. if Washington gets yeah. left off. So why don't we go through the spots that we have and who we think gets in, and then that fourth spot uh, discuss who 
who we think w- should get in and probably who will get selected. Sure. You mentioned it's Alabama. Easy, right, out of the right it's easy. Alabama, top seed. They're thirteen and zero. Really good season. You know, and and I know we're going to talk about as the SEC down in a little while, but the knock against Alabama, which I can't believe people would knock them, has been that like, oh, well, they haven't had a big strength of schedule. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, well, <laughs> they went undefeated, so just sit down, shut up. Yeah, you play and, who's on your schedule exactly, and it's not like they played. And they put pushovers. they put USC on their schedule as a non-conference. That's right. Who I realize, was a really good football team. Yeah, I realize that they they always play like you know Chattanooga blind Southern. Mm-hmm nuns college or whatever the spirit of performance is what defines acura and now it's electric introducing the zdx acura's most powerful suv yet crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple imsa championships the zdx has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own unlock the energy and order yours at acura.com We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mm -hmm. Like that towards the end of the season. But... They also just – they don't hide. They usually play a tough first game, which they did this mm-hmm. year. So, anyway, they're definitely number one. And then what's interesting is, obviously, in last week's rankings, you had Ohio State as number two, but they didn't play this week because right. they weren't in a championship. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know how the seeding will come down, but I think Clemson at 12-1 and one, ACC champions – and Washington at 12 and 1, Pac 12 champions are in. So that's three locks. locks. I think they are locks. And, and it should be mentioned that uh, Alabama slaughtered Florida uh, for 54 to 16 Jesus. last night and, and cemented their position even yeah. further. Yeah. Washington crushed Colorado 41 to 10 and really cemented their position. And if they lose that game, they are out, right? Yeah. That's an, yeah. So they, it was a must win for them and they really showed up big time. Clemson, who is now 12 and 1, Really had to slug it out with Virginia Tech and one forty two to thirty five, so that was the only close game of those three teams we're talking about. Yeah, uh, but they did it. They all three did it, and like you said, I think they're they're in. So now what you're looking at three Big Ten teams, and yeah. and you've got a really it's a round robin of teams because mm-hmm. you've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and they all have very good marks as to why they should get in and they all have a black mark on their schedule and they've all kind of beat each other in a weird way so that that nobody has a definitive reason for getting in penn state as you mentioned the best thing they've got going for them is they beat ohio state yep and they won their conference championship those are two big things the downfall on their record is that they lost to Pitt early on yeah number 25 Pitt. bad i mean yeah (laughs) And, and so you look at that win and you say well this is not an elite caliber team but at the same time, the win over Ohio State, does that nullify it? Because uh, everybody, I think, in the college football world will tell you Ohio State is the better teams, and nine times out of ten they win that game. But the game they played, they didn't win. So, yeah. you know. 
How much does head-to-head matter? Yeah. Well, and the other loss, though, on Penn State's side is is Michigan. Yeah. Didn't they get beat by like 39 points? Yeah. So it was 49 to 10. Yeah. I mean, it was not anywhere close. Yeah, now, and, and that's another, you know, you, you lose by 39 points to anybody, and uh, that really is a bump on your resume. Now, the argument, though, is that since that loss to the Trump, the just thumping that they took from from Michigan, they haven't lost. Right. I mean, they've actually played better football. Now, granted, they've also been able to play Michigan State, Rutgers, yeah. Indiana, Maryland. Iowa, Purdue, yeah. you know, Maryland, Minnesota. So it's not like they've had, you know, the really super tough schedule and they've knocked off, you know, four top 25 teams in this run. So I think, you know, the, the thing is, if I'm the selection committee, I would put Penn State in as a lock had they beaten one more ranked team towards the end of the season. Yeah. And I, their, their losses, their two losses are ugly losses. And I think that's really damaging. Yeah. Let's move over to Ohio State now, because like I said, they are the number two team in the country. And I think the big thing on their resume is that they have beaten, I believe, three current top 10 teams this season. They had arguably one of the toughest schedules in the country. Yeah. And they came away with two losses. Is that correct? Am I spot on there? You are. So, uh, or no, sorry, they, uh, they have only have one loss, Brendan. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that would, one loss would be to the Nittany Lions. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, anyway, so, so, you know, one loss team you know, wins over top 10 opponents, you know, arguably one of the, the number two spot for good reason. You put them in, you ignore their conference champion, ignore the fact that the conference champion beat them head to head. Yeah. So that's their black mark on their resume. But at the same time, they're Ohio State and they're really good. Yeah. I mean, so, so this is their teams that they've beaten that I think like, you know, show that how good they are. They beat Michigan, which granted was double overtime in that game. At any point, you could have flipped it, flipped the coin. Was, a lot of people think that Michigan should have won. Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh in particular. Yes, particularly. I don't Harbaugh. know if you heard his comments about the officials after that game, but apparently <laughs> they lost the game for him. That's right. Yeah. So, that, but they beat Michigan. They just destroyed Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Good. Who, right. Who is just, I think, highly overrated this year, but, but destroyed Nebraska, who's ranked, uh, Last, you know, going into this week in the top 10, mm. they beat Oklahoma, who you know, is the right, a Big 12 conference champion. And so, again, they, they put some, and they beat Wisconsin, who played in the conference, conference championship. championship. So, I mean, they had, in terms of quality of wins, they have a hundred times the quality of wins that Penn State does. Penn right. State has one quality win. Right. Essential. It just happens to be against Ohio State. <laughs> yes. Right. So that's what makes that complicated. And then you add in, Michigan to the picture. Now, Michigan is a team who beat both teams that went to the Big Ten Conference Championship. Yeah. So they they beat they slaughtered Penn State, who ended up winning, and they beat Wisconsin. So you know they you can make an argument to say that they are better than whoever won the conference championship in the Big Ten, and they lost that really tight game to Ohio State, in which a lot of people look at as more of a draw yeah. than even a loss because yeah. uh, just how it shaked out there yeah. at the end. And also important on their schedule again, a team that wasn't afraid to reach across and play another power five school they played colorado beat colorado pretty handily who played in the pac-12 championship so that's three teams that were in conference championships that uh, michigan vanquished yeah but i mean in terms of quality of wins i I mean they don't stack up to ohio state because they've they've beaten wisconsin yes they beat penn state yes and they beat colorado that's kind of their three high quality wins and then 
So and, for a fall off after that. And I mean, and they, Ohio State to a lesser extent and the Penn State all suffer from really the same thing that people have been saying about Alabama is that the rest of the Big Ten was just hot garbage this last time. Hot garbage. This season. So, I, I mean, they just... You know, it sucks that sh- that you can't look at these teams and say like, oh, well, yeah, you got to play Rutgers. Well, Rutgers is in their conference, so yeah, like, yeah. Well, and it should be mentioned that they lost to an unranked Iowa team as well. That's Michigan's big black mark on their that's schedule. true. Yeah. So anyway, with that all being said, who do you think will will be selected for that fourth spot, Brian? I think it'll be Ohio State. I just I think their quality of wins. People are gonna flip out and say conference championships don't matter. I, I mean, I think they do. I think you're about to see two teams who are only in because they won their conference championships um, in Clemson and especially in Washington. But Ohio State just they had one stumble. Mm-hmm. They had one stumble, and it just happens to be against this team that won the that went on to win the conference championship. Had they not, they easily would have won the conference championship. And they're just – they're a better football team. Yeah. I mean, you can – say in one game, you know – you know, they, they screwed up. They're just, they're a better overall football team. And the, I think, and the, and the committee has said this as well. So they, yes, they emphasize conference championships, but they have said they want the four best teams, period. They don't care where they come from. They don't care what their conference is. They don't care what their record is even to some extent. They just, they want the four best teams at the end of the season. And Ohio State's one of those. Yeah, I I agree. I think that will be the selection, and I think that probably should be the selection because all the reasons you stated, and I think it also gives Penn State fans, you know, reason to gripe for years and say, oh, you know, we won the championship, but uh, because the media is biased, they uh, they took Ohio State over us. That's not really the case, but but it's you know it's fun for fans to bitch and moan about. Certainly, we would do it if we were in that situation. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean, we did it. With uh, Kansas in the yeah, Orange we, Bowl, but we were right. We, we, we were, were right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they so, shouldn't have been in the Orange Bowl. Uh, you know who's who's out of this discussion, Brian? Is uh, the great Jayhawks. Yeah, fuck the Jayhawks. Western Michigan, who's undefeated, thirteen and zero. That's true. Them. That would have been funny. Yeah, so I think they're ranked seventeenth <laughs> in the country. Western Michigan snuck out a, a championship win against Ohio yesterday. And, uh, you know, they're not in consideration and I don't think they should be, No, but, uh, but they, you know, it is, it is kind of sad where you're in a situation where you, yeah. you win your, yeah. you go undefeated and you're just not even in your contention. You can't win. Well, and you know this, Brendan, but I advocate for a six team playoff, not 16, a six team playoff, mm-hmm. because that way you can give a, a buyer to the first two teams it opens it up a little bit, but it's also not just like everyone gets in, right? Mm-hmm. And it basically adds one week to the schedule for two teams, right? Right, right. Because, I, I mean, the the thing about it, right, if, if you had that this year, that would mean, I mean, and right now, and granted, that would change, but that would mean that Colorado would be in the playoffs mm-hmm. if you had an eight-team playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, no, like they shouldn't be in the playoff. Right. So I think six teams... For the future, going for the future, I hope they make that change. You know, in a year or two, this is the kind of season that would spur that conversation, right? Right, because then, and the other thing with with doing a, a six team playoff with a, a first round buy type of thing, you still reward the regular season. You know, and that's one of the arguments that about people wanted to keep the BCS, and those people were stupid. But they wanted to keep the BCS because every game mattered. Right, you could not lose a game. And then think that you were going to get in because if two teams didn't lose a game, that was it. Yeah. You know? So if you go to eight, to some extent, it's like, well, yeah, we lost three games, but so be it. We're going to be in. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, wait, 
Yeah. You lost three games and you're still going to be in the playoffs. And then you can Hoosiers your way up to the top spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it's a. I think that would be an excellent evolution to the playoff picture. And I think if it happened, it would stay that way for a long time. So, um, I tell you what, Brian. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about the state of the SEC in 2016 and how that relates, of course, to our fabulous Missouri Tigers. All right. This is the Mazzotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. The Mazodcast, your source for contagious erectile dysfunction. Welcome back, everybody. The college football regular season is over, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how this has impacted the SEC in 2016. Obviously, the best team in the country is an SEC team in Alabama, but going much further down the list, and you don't see the world's greatest teams. It wasn't a banner year for SEC football. Obviously, the Tigers didn't do their part, but there were a lot of teams that uh, weren't really in the picture. Yeah, there were a lot of, I mean, if you want to talk about pulling their weight, I saw the best cartoon. It was like Alabama, you know, everybody's chanting SEC, SEC, right? And Alabama, the mascot, is carrying all the other mascots on his back as they all chant SEC, SEC. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it actually is way too accurate of a, yeah. of a cartoon. Well, imagine you take Alabama out of the picture and you look at the national title hunt over the last few years. You know, the SEC doesn't look nearly as strong. Of course, you could say that about any team. We take their best team out of the conference. Sure. But uh, I think that there's a definite case to be made that Alabama's been carrying the load the last couple of years. I, I think that's the way conferences are measured, frankly, yeah. is do they have a title contender? That's the number one measure. Year in, the, year out. The number two measure for me is always depth of conference. Mm-hmm. And I think usually the SEC scores well, not this year, but they usually do. But the number one thing that I think the national media uses is do you have somebody in the hunt for a playoff spot? Yeah, and and that's why the Big Twelve sucks. Well, and and how many teams ranked in the final, you know, top twenty-five type of thing always comes into play. But the interest you just said something that made me think. So take Alabama first. I know it was kind of weird. Hold on, I need a minute. Okay, I feel better now. So if you take Alabama out this year. The SEC doesn't have anyone who plays for national championship. Oh no, obviously. And I mean, even if the teams, so even if you take their, you know, the loss that Alabama gave another team out this year, the SEC still has no one who plays for a national championship, and that is a pretty telling. So I, look what we just had the conversation with with the Big Ten. There are three teams you could probably make an argument that should be in the playoff. In the playoff. On the the Pac-12 side, there are, eh, there's really one, but they've got a couple other teams with USC nine nine wins. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. But uh, the USC, I think, is an equivalent to an LSU for us, maybe this year. Right. Well, but except they did better. I mean, to, if you just look at their record, they did a lot better than LSU this year. LSU went seven and four, and I think hmm. USC was nine and three. I think somewhere yeah, around. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But but anyway, so it. And the argument has always been that the SEC cannibalizes itself, that you just have so many good teams in one thing. 
But that's a tough argument to make this year. I mean, you're yeah. going to tell me that, you know, the powerhouses of Ole Miss, who at one point everyone is saying is the best four-loss team in the country and then rattles off three more losses and goes five and seven. Like, I, you know, it, it, so in the East, I mean, ugh, I know we're lumping ourselves into that. but ugh, Yeah, it was, our best team in the East went to Alabama, and we saw how that shook out. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I understand why people are looking at the SEC and asking, is it a down year? Now, what I don't understand is people who look at the SEC say it's a down year and then somehow say Alabama is therefore unworthy of right. of you know all the praise they're getting. Like that's stupid because mm-hmm. they are good and they I think will prove that over the course of the, the playoff. But I can completely understand and in some cases agree. I think in other cases I disagree with people. Let's say that the SEC is down this year because Oh, there's, I, there's no question they're down this year, but it's a matter of how down are sure, they. Exactly. And, yes. I mean, you look at – compare them to, like, the Pac-12, for instance, where their top team is Washington, and we were talking about do, did they do enough to get into the playoff because they are being judged on a weaker schedule. Mm-hmm. But the difference between Washington and Alabama is that Washington does have a loss on their resume. Mm-hmm. Alabama was perfect, you know. Yeah. And I think, in general, people look at the Pac-12 as more down than – the SEC. So, you know, look at your top teams, and they're all in the West, frankly. Oh, yeah. And it's Alabama. And I guess, what do you say next? Auburn? Yeah, Auburn went eight and four. I mean, and then LSU, seven and four. So, I, and, and then Texas AM, who just after they lost their quarterback, imploded. I mean, they right. were at one point looking like they were going to be the second. You know, SEC team in the in the playoff, and then they just fell apart and went four and four in the conference and mm-hmm. eight and four overall. So it falls off pretty quick when you get past Alabama. It's and it should be said that uh, you can go to mazodcast dot com, and we've got an article about the uh, SEC and the state of the SEC uh, currently up there now, and we've been putting a lot of good content up there. So we'd encourage everybody to go to mazodcast.com, go to the classroom section under the links. And that's our, uh, that's our articles and blogs. And uh, we talk a little bit about where the SEC is going. What do you expect for next year for this, this SEC program? I mean, the East is perpetually in rehab mode. It seems like this is yeah, the fourth, really fifth year is. in a row that, you know, Tennessee was supposed to be that team. Obviously some people thought not us, Nope. Uh, Florida clearly making a lot of strides under Jim McElwain. But uh, not there yet, as we saw last night. Where was Georgia? Georgia has been disappearing act this year. They they you know get rid of Rick and get worse. You know so why is it moved by their administration? South Carolina appears to be in the dumpster. Missouri's been in the dumpster. You know and uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt will be Kentucky and Vanderbilt, even though Kentucky's a little better this year. But but certainly that you can't expect those two teams to ever be in the hunt. So and then on the west side, I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State, their day in the sun is over. Ole Miss is going to get hit with sanctions. I've been predicting it for a year. Mm. They're going to get eviscerated. You can see that they're already like in the 50s from recruiting because people see this down the pipe, mm-hmm. that they're going to get crushed. So I don't see Ole Miss being that good mm. in the near future. I don't see Mississippi State being that good in the near future. LSU, you know, I think there's always a possibility. Coach always, they're always They can always come up and bite you. Coach O. Auburn, I can't ever predict anything from Auburn. They're a total fucking mystery every year. <laughs> I know. Gus Malzahn, <laughs> it's like the the roller coaster of, well, I might get fired. Maybe we should win a game or two real mm-hmm. quick. <laughs> yeah. And they will. Yeah. And then they're like, well, you know what? We're doing too good. Let's go ahead and lose a couple. <laughs> but I honestly think that Alabama's dominance in this conference is a detriment to the rest of the conference. Oh, yeah. It, it While it helps us shine a light on the conference when they go to the title game, yeah. I don't see any of these other teams 
in a position to where they can overtake Alabama. And if you've got a conference where the the number one team, the champion, is sort of predetermined, it takes every, a lot of excitement. Every out year, of it. yeah, every not just not just like oh, well, this is the next third year, straight year, every, yeah. And it would have been fourth straight year except for the pick six, the kick six yeah. situation. So, I mean, yeah, it is essentially every year now. And unless somebody can get up and genuinely compete with Alabama, the SEC is going to struggle to be you know, a force that people really want to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things that's a balance, right? So you look at the Big Ten and you've got this kind of parity on the top where you're like, you know, three teams, four teams are kind of all right there. And depending on how the season breaks, it could go either way. And then they go into recruiting and they can basically make that argument. Can't make that argument in the SEC. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's Alabama. We are the best. If you're the best player, you come and play for Alabama. And then if I guess if you want to you want to start right away or something and you feel like you're you're not quite the best you'll go to another <laughs> SEC team. You almost got to feel sorry for an Auburn who has to has in to recruit state. in the same yeah. state, and it's yeah. a testament to the, the the dominance of college football in that state that they can even support it in Auburn. Well, I'll tell you what, Brian, why don't we, you know, once again, go to mazakis.com, check out the uh, the classroom section on our website. I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, before we move on, I think it's time to announce some Kansas news. Oh, good. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Got some light Kansas news for you this week because, Brian, this may come as a surprise to you. Mm-hmm. The University of Kansas did not play football in their national in their conference championship game this week. Well, that's strange. You know, well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that Kansas is terrible, and they okay. wouldn't be competitive for it. Two is that the Big 12 doesn't have a conference championship oh, game because right. they're a clusterfuck and a complete dumpster point. fire at all times. So let's move on for now, our first story. Kansas Woman's Garden reimbursed after being ruined by AT&T. This is, <laughs> this is headline news in Kansas, so I just okay. wanted you to be aware of you know, the things that are most important uh-huh. to Kansans. I'm assuming her garden is probably like a three by three little uh, marijuana like, field. Well, I was going to say patch of uh, like prairie dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing grows. Yeah, a woman in Big Springs, Kansas, is relieved after her therapeutic fairy garden is back to normal after AT and T workers ruined it trying to install service there are, internet service at there the are house. Fairies in Kansas. Uh, I don't know where you're going with that, Brian, but it could go a dark path. Well, I was just I was going with the like mythical creature animal. Oh, okay, okay. I read well. Actually, what I was wondering is if that's what they call their groundhogs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, certainly they believe in all things superstitious uh, in Kansas. So yeah. Oh, let's read on and okay. find find more out. Um, I'm just more surprised that they have internet. <laughs> so. Well, it could have just been a phone line. It says internet oh, in the in the article. I think maybe that was the most newsworthy part about the story. Yeah. KSNT News reported the story over the summer. AT&T workers attempted to install service and dug a cable trail through AT&T customer Linda Mangeldorf Oshel's yard. While digging the trail, workers stepped on fairies and ruined her herbs. She says the garden has helped her cope with overcoming cancer for more than 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I feel a little shitty for making fun of her. I don't. Brian... It, she, she overcame cancer. 20 years ago. Get over it. You need fucking some basil, you know? Like, I great, you know, run a 5K, for Christ's sakes. I don't know that cancer's one of those things that you can just say, oh, 20 years ago, and you can stop playing that. I think a cancer is once you get that card, you've got that card. I guess so, but I don't see how fucking growing rosemary 20 years later is really going to make a big impact on her fucking life. Something tells me it's a cash grab. <laughs> 
Okay. She stepped on some fucking paper mache fairies. Get over <laughs> it, woman. Good God. Oh, my oregano. Fuck you. Uh, Mangles Oshel said AT&T reimbursed her for the fairies and the ruined plants. I'm going to go ahead and guess. I think that cost A&T about 47 cents. <laughs> yeah. Grand total. So I think they were completely fine with doing that. Where does one buy a fairy, for I Christ's sakes? And the thing I, this article doesn't say, you know, like ceramic fairy right. or sculpture of fairy. It, it makes it sound like... These are legit. Tinkerbell got smushed. That's, yeah. And if that's the case, it's going to cost a lot more than 47 cents. <laughs> you know, it's your soul. Every time a fairy gets smushed, an that's angel right. gets its wings. That's right. It took five and a half months, and basically the last two and a half months, I constantly contacted the contracting company. So they did not want to pay out oh, for these fairies. Yeah. You know, that yeah. is not an expense they wanted to incur. She says she will start replanting her garden and buying more items once spring comes. So she is pretty wise. That is when you plant gardens. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are a lot of farmers in Kansas, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, they've got that skill down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they got to grow dirt. All right. What a stupid story. And this is something you might have heard of in the national news, Brian. It's been making the rounds. Ooh, national news. Okay. Yeah, pranksters pretending to be wild animals caught yeah. on camera yes. by Kansas police. I did hear about this. Yeah. They were looking for a mountain lion and found wolverine instead. <laughs> Pranksters in Kansas had a field day after police set up motion-activated cameras in a park in the city of Gardner. Instead of finding a dangerous animal in the footage, cops witnessed costumed humans pretending to be several different animals, including lions and gorillas. One animal in the dark even looked like Wolverine from the X-Men movies, and Santa Claus even made an appearance. Gardner police set up the cameras out of a serious concern for the possible presence of a mountain lion, but were amused by the citizens' creativity. I'm going to make an aside here. Editorial note. Uh Mountain lions in fucking Kansas? I mean, maybe they exist. I don't know. I'm not a fucking biologist. But there's certainly no mountains. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Mount Sunflower, and it's a 19-foot crest last a couple weeks ago. But uh, So maybe it's like... Plain lions? I don't know. But yeah. see, see, then you get into weird, like, so... I mean, yeah. a feasting on prairie dog. I don't know. Well, that's there's probably plenty of food to eat for if you're a lion. And well, to, to no one's surprise, they found no mountain lions. But so the police did say, we would like to sincerely thank the persons responsible as it made our day when we pulled up what we expected to be hundreds of pictures of coyotes, foxes, and raccoons. Gardner Cops wrote on Facebook on Monday, thank you to the citizens who noticed the cameras. Your efforts and sense of humor are greatly appreciated. It's a good feel-good story from Kansas yeah. for once, you know? The police didn't shoot anybody. They didn't arrest yeah. anybody. They didn't, you know, whatever. I think they post that on Facebook, and then they <sighs> ruthlessly beat the guy in a gorilla costume later. <laughs> they captured him. With they drank him. It was, life. Actually, probably what they did is they first freaked out and were like, we've got gorillas mm-hmm. in oh, Kansas yeah. now? I think it took them a long time to figure out these yeah. were costumed humans. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was once they went and looked for the gorillas, the guy's like, whoa, hey, hold on, not a real gorilla. <laughs> and are like, it's the talking gorilla. <laughs> so there's probably a lot of confusion. Confusion. Yeah. The Gardner Police Department posted 11 photos from their sting on the Facebook page. It appears the mountain lion did not make an appearance. Mm. The pranksters have not come forward. Oh. Clearly, they are afraid for their lives. <laughs> yeah, they're afraid they're going to get shot because the police think they're real gorillas. <laughs> exactly. 
Final story for the day. This is another one that uh, some listeners have been sending us because it is so great. And I'd like to credit the listener, but I forgot to do it. But uh, close. Can I just say, I love it when our listeners send us Kansas news. I It is, makes our day. Yeah. And frankly, we need those field reporters because Kansas uh, exactly. news is not that easy to come by. Exactly. You know, we work hard to bring it to you mm-hmm. each and every week, mm-hmm. but you make our lives a lot easier when you come across your own garbage Kansas news. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the... Um Prairie Dog Gazette gets a gets a website. I think Kansas News will be easier to get, but in the meantime, it's just a you know a bunch of text scribbled in the dirt that people come by and look at. You know, and that's how they get their news in Kansas. So, you know, it's difficult getting those stories, and that's why I'm always surprised when a story goes is a national story of like, man, who sent the reporter to Kansas? I know it's a real it's crappy a, job. Yeah. So le- leading up to all this, the story is. Close to 2 million gallons of raw sewage overflows in Lawrence, Kansas. Close to 2 million gallons of raw sewage overflowed a manhole in South Lawrence, causing the city to issue a health and stream advisory for the area. (laughs) A health and stream advisory? Well, this is not the first time that uh, we have heard a story about the rivers running brown with shit in the state of Kansas. Uh And it appears once again they are refreshing, replenishing the shit in their streams. Yeah. Uh, The sewage overflow occurred after a pump failed Monday evening. City officials said sewage overflowed the manhole for approximately 12 hours, causing approximately 1.9 million gallons of raw, untreated sewage to flood nearby Naismith Creek. See, I know why this became an issue, because when the sewage first started coming up, people looked at it and said, oh, is it Tuesday? (laughs) That's right, yeah. What is that smell? Oh, it's the smell of our lives. It's the smell of my hopes and dreams. Raw fucking sewage. Putrid sewage. And it wasn't until, you know, health officials who were educated probably in another state came and said, no, this is not a good thing, that then they had to take steps to address it. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So, and also the fucking creek's named after James Naismith. So it's like, this is the one thing they have. (laughs) Everything's fucking named after basketball because it's their one thing. The sewage outflow could result in elevated bacteria and contaminants. Really? Raw fucking sewage. Elevated. The key there is elevated. (laughs) Because what they're saying is that there's normally that stuff all over Kansas, (laughs) and this is going to cause elevated. A slight uptick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Barely register, actually. Yeah, in the creek, which is bordered by a city, bike, and walking trail, which is probably pretty safe because no one walks or bicycles in Kansas. Mm-hmm. They're all on those little razzy scooters, jazzy, razzy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, scooters that well, you get at Walmart. And they ride their horses, too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, that's their main form of transportation. They lasso a couple pra- prairie dogs and have them tow their stuff. That's right. Residents are advised not to enter the stream or allow children or pets into the stream. And I would note that it's fucking December, so why <laughs> would you do that anyway, idiot? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I guess over the summer, that's what they do. So in the winter, what are you going to do? In K- but by the way, I would love a listener to write us. Tell us what you think Kansans do in the winter. Mm-hmm. Because in the summer, I, I mean, I guess, you know, they get out and farm and hunt prairie dogs and stuff. But in the winter, like, do they just sit in their log cabin house all day? I don't know what they do. Yeah, it's... Um... I really don't want to think about it. I mean, sure, I'm sure it's a lot of uh, going back to the gorillas and the yeah. animals. Yeah. There's a lot of animal husbandry going on. Uh, yeah. Do you think they the have those costumes because they're like furries? <laughs> so. 
Is that maybe why they <laughs> had those maybe, costumes? They may be the original furries. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. City spokeswoman Megan Gilliland said the city has reported the overflow to the Kansas Department of Health and Environment and is currently monitoring the condition of the water, which, current condition, shit. <laughs> Gilliland said she didn't yet know if the sewage could affect nearby plants or wildlife or if the city would be responsible for any cleanup. So it sounds like they're trying to buck the... Yeah. Yeah. You know whose fault it is? Who's that? Prairie dogs. It is only prairie dogs. I don't think it will affect plants or wildlife. If you can grow or live in Kansas, you can certainly survive a shit outbreak. Yeah, well, there's like roaches and prairie dogs. I don't know what Mm -hmm. else is there. Mountain lions, apparently. Well, none. None can be spotted. Well, this is why. They drowned in the shit Maybe the guy wasn't even in a gorilla costume. Maybe he was just covered in fucking shit. Yeah. And it appeared to be a costume. The city was not aware of the pump failure and subsequent overflow until the morning after it occurred. The overflow was reported around 7.40 a.m. Tuesday, and that they were able to stop the flow of sewage after about an hour. The overflow does not affect the city's drinking water supply, which is drawn from Kansas River and the Clinton Lake. So, hmm. um, you know, their drinking water is being contaminated by other shit sources, mm-hmm. not this particular one. It should be noted. Okay. Gilliland says the signs have been posted along the city's walking and biking trails that border the creek that let residents know it is not safe for people or pets to enter the water. As again, I should note, it is fucking December and it is cold. She said the sewage is already being diluted. There's water running right now, so it's not just sitting there and pooling. It's being diluted by natural water running through the environment and the dilution of the natural downstream. Okay, well, that's that's your big fucking answer? That's your solution is just to let nature take its course? Well, I mean, there's a lot of empty land in Kansas. Uh, you know, it's send the, it over somewhere. It's the natural equivalent of just flushing the toilet over and over again <laughs> and hoping it cleans itself out. That's right. We're continuing to monitor levels, and once our tests come back to safe levels, we will remove any signage and we will rescind the health advisory. Like you said, it won't take long because they're elevated levels that they mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. live with day in, day out. Yeah, you know, so or, probably... Three days most. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I don't think a lot of Kansans really have a problem with drinking shit, rolling in shit, being covered in shit, smelling shit all day. I mean, it is, it is essentially the life of a Kansan. Like I said, Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. That has been Kansas News. Kansas News was actually sponsored this week. Is that right, Brian? That's right. So we didn't have a round the SEC this week, but we've got our great sponsors every week. You know, I have to give them a good shout-out. So this week, Kansas News was brought to you by Murray's. Looking for a place where you can have great food but can't see your meal? At Murray's, they specifically keep the lights turned low for the best foodie experience. Is that a steak or a half-cooked squirrel in front of you? Who knows? Just eat it with a glass of delicious overpriced wine. Come join us at the official hangout of Gary Pinkle. Come for the food. Stay because you can't find the door. Murray's. Yes. Columbia establishment. I love it. Mm -hmm. It is dark in there. All right. So let's move on to uh, let's talk a little bit about our Missouri Tigers because ostensibly this is a Mizzou show. And up to this point, it's probably the the Nodcast we've talked about the Tigers the least. And so I think we should focus a little bit on the 2016 season because last week we did talk about the great Arkansas win, but we really didn't look larger at the larger picture and talk about 2016 as a whole that much and i think it goes without saying obviously it was a disappointing season brian predicted we'd go four and eight which we did but there were some things that were disappointing let's get drill down a little bit what were the things that disappointed us and what were some of the surprises that we have to 
bring us optimism for 2017. Yeah. Well, I do want to say that um, this next week on on the Mazadcast.com, as Brennan teased earlier, we do write some articles and we'll have our top five biggest disappointments for the season all listed out on there. So you can go to Mazadcast.com and read read those coming up this week. Ah, man, there is there are a lot of disappointments this year, I think. But for me, the number one has to be the defense. I mean, I don't know how yep. anybody's – it can't be the defense because – it's just crazy the fall that took place. I mean, I, I didn't expect. So when I said at the beginning of the season we go four and eight, what I was thinking is that our offense would still would be better, mm-hmm. but you know we just wouldn't be enough to overcome you know the other teams and and the, the stress that it put on our defense. I had no idea that it would be the defense that would be the biggest disappointment. I mean, we went from depending on how you looked at it, stat wise, we had the seventh sixth or seventh overall ranked defense last year. Mm-hmm. This year we were like 117th. I don't know how you can explain how that happens. No, I mean, I think it is the number one disappointment for a couple of reasons. One, because of the severity of how much the defense has fallen off. And two, because of what a out-of-left-field shock it was. Because yeah. they were so strong and all indications were we have a defensive coach as our head coach right. now new defensive coordinator who's going to try to make a name for himself and seemingly quite a few weapons going in and we knew that we were losing control brothers yeah he was the biggest loss harold brantley and uh, walter brady those guys got dismissed at the beginning of the season we had some holes to fill we knew that but the core of that defense remained you still had that that front line i mean you still had harris who just disappeared for the majority of the season i like I realize he, and you know, another sad Mizzou news. He's off to the NFL, which good for him. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. happy for him for that from that sense. But I mean, it is. It's like great. There's another hole to replace on this defense for next year. But he disappeared. Our entire defensive line just vanished. And there are a lot of people that want to put it squarely on on Cross. And I I don't disagree. I mean, I think it just. I think he has to own that this year and say. And I think Odom has, which is the other thing that I like about about Coach Odom is that you know, we got to change things. And he tried to make adjustments. You weren't going to completely change the course of direction. But the defense looked better towards the end. I think morale went up. Mm-hmm. But it's also on those players that just, poof, they were gone all of a sudden. Yeah. I, like, I don't care what the scheme is. You know, you are a great defensive line, and you played like shit all year. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It, it was weird, and it doesn't seem to be something that, unless something – the unforeseen happens will improve dramatically next year because a lot of those guys who have experience are leaving the team, Harris yeah. included. Yeah. And so we're going to have to have a, we're going to have a much younger, much less experienced defense next year. And we have a lot of questions as to what kind of scheme will they be running and who will they be coached by? Because there's still a lot of questions as to whether DeMonte cross will be the defensive coordinator. Although I would say with each passing day, his job gets a little safer because I think if you are going to get rid of your defensive coordinator, you do it quickly. Do it right away so you can go find somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Before so, he gets snatched up as a head coach somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's possibly. I think we'd know for sure if, if DeMonte Cross was going to stick around for 2017 after the college football playoffs are over because I think that's when coaches get fired. That's when, you know, positions get opened up yeah. for people yeah. but at this point we haven't seen any indications that he's going anywhere he's on yeah. the recruiting trail we know that which and and i guess that's fine but i think what that means is that odom is now kind of in the hot seat because if, if you are odom 
and you were able to lay the blame for the season, if you will, squarely on your defensive coordinator, which is basically what you would do by firing him. I mean, even if that's not, you know, even if you stood there at the podium and said, I'm going to take ownership and blah, 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 and you fire defensive, you're basically saying, yeah, I'm ownering it, but it's because I hired this douchebag over here, and mm-hmm. therefore he screwed it up, not me. So that that's fine that he's doing that, but now he's put himself, I think, on a spot that if in – I'll give him next year. So, But if in year three you're not compete, – I'd say competing for a SEC East title, you're going to be gone. Yeah. I, I mean, so I don't well, think – I, I don't know. It's hard to say that – I don't think anybody's on the hot seat after the first year. Oh, no. But, but not head coach-wise, at least. Right, right. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think def- I think coordinators, you can go at any time. Sure. I mean, part of what you're your expendable. job... That's right. Part of what your job is, is to be a fall guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get paid a lot of money. You're going to get a lot of... Uh, if things go well, you're going to get a lot of exposure for the next level for yourself. Yep. And the downside is that if things don't go well, the head coach will lop your head off and blame it on you. And that yep. is part of the job. So... Yep. The uh, but that you know the defense wasn't the only disappointment on the year. That's not the only thing that sort of went south for sure. the Tigers. And uh, you know I think for me it was clearly the kicking game mm. has to be number two because and, and when I say the kicking game I mean pretty much exclusively Tucker McCann and exclusively on field goals and extra points because I think we haven't really focused on the fact that McCann on kickoff duties routinely kicked it out of the back of the end zone. Yep. He did a great job on kickoffs that was completely overshadowed by the fact that he couldn't put one through the uprights yeah. for a good part of the year. Yeah. And significantly enough that A, it impacted play calling and uh, hurt us in that regard. And B, that it, it wasn't just a couple game yips that as a high school kid coming out, he, he, he got in his head. Something was in his head. Yeah. Now I will say that he seemed to be riding the ship a little bit the last couple of games. And the last couple of games did him a favor where it didn't call for a lot of field goals. Mm-hmm. It didn't call for a lot of long field goals. It was a lot of chip shot extra points and, and 20-some yard field goals, which was, I think, good for him. Yeah. Because like Colin mentioned on our show last week, the only way to get through that sort of thing. If shooting slump or kicking slump is you just got to kick through it, shoot through yeah. it. And so it did him a favor. But that was a huge embarrassment, I felt, for the program whenever we weren't doing well in the first place. Sure. And then we can't even make an extra point. It's something that just other teams can point at us and laugh at. And like, yeah. what kind of condition is your program in? Well, anytime a player makes you dream for the days of Andrew Baggett, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that says a lot right there. I mean, and Mizzou fans, I think, dream for the days of Andrew Baggett because through all of his stuff actually bag it turned out he was a fairly decent kicker i mean by comparison he absolutely was and i think the the problem with kickers is that you are defined a lot of times by the misses yeah and uh, he missed that south carolina kick which would have vaulted us to you know national title contention and but you know like i said you can't even put that whole game on on baggage certainly that was his fault but uh, they let south carolina back in but yeah i mean it, and people forecast this that when Baggett left and we had to deal with a new kicker, we might be longing for the days of, mm-hmm. of Baggett. And, They're right. And but the thing, so you're talking about disappointment in the kicking game. It's not even the missed field goals, it's the missed extra points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's you, unforgivable. You can miss a field goal or two, even in big moments, and still be a decent kicker. I mean, how many field goals has Adam Vinatieri missed in his career? How many field goals has, you know, some of those great NFL kickers missed in their career? You can't miss extra points. Like, I don't know. There's no other way. Like, I want to, like, make it more dramatic, but you just, you can't miss extra points. Especially in college, it's not like, you know, the NFL has moved the extra point back. Because they're like, oh, you make it every time. We got to move it back a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. You can't miss extra points. And we missed six. Yeah. Well, and six. Unlike the defense, though, I will say this that uh, there, there's every reason to think that that might go away. Yeah. You know, get a year older. Yeah. I think. Make Fatoni kick him. And he won't miss him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or Sophie Cunningham. But uh, I think kicking is a head game deal it's like playing pool it's like playing golf and i think that having a year under your belt of experience you can't underestimate what that can do for your psyche so there's hoping that tucker mccann improves for a sophomore season but it certainly was an ugly thing any other disappointments that you have for 2016 really um well i mean there are a couple but i think what i'll do is i'll save mine and just say go check out mazodcast.com and read the article of our top five uh biggest disappointments from the mizzou 2016 season but I, I do want to ask you, so that we focus on a lot of the negative, you know, what was your, your biggest surprise in a good way or, you know, the best moment of the of the 2016 season? Well, just as the defense was sort of a no-brainer for a disappointment, I think the surprise positive for us this year is also a no-brainer, and that's Demaria Crockett. The freshman running back who really answered the bell for the Tigers, and we were really concerned about a running game going into the season as Ish Witter was once again our most senior experienced running back and least impressive starting running back the Tigers have had in many years. And he began to split time with Crockett as time wore on throughout the season. And it became more and more obvious that Crockett was not just a excellent backup to Ish, not just a strong running back who had a bold future, but a top level SEC running back right now as he exceeded a thousand yards rushing for the season. I think he, ex- he broke uh, freshman rushing records for the Tigers all time. Mm-hmm. He is going to be one of the leaders on this team next year as a true sophomore. And that's an excellent thing to go into knowing that we have a strong arm quarterback and our receivers who continue to struggle with drops, but they have learned to get separation. That's something we last year. 15 to 16, our receivers didn't get open. This year they got open, they just couldn't catch the ball. So now we've got a more seasoned passing game, a strong arm quarterback, and an elite running back. And if we can do anything to keep the defense together, our offense should be very good next year, and Crockett is going to be a big part of why. And so he's obviously my big surprise and hopeful thing for 2017. Yeah, and I think the the part that's the most impressive about that too is that he didn't do those he didn't put up his yardage in the little shit games that we played earlier. Right. I mean, so Yeah, we, he didn't play that much at those Exactly games. that's what I mean. Yeah. So we had a, a thousand yard receiver in Moore who I think everyone wanted to murder by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But he scored eight touchdowns and four of them I think were in those like crappy, you know, Delaware State. Yeah, exactly. Which and, was a total padding record. Yeah. Padding yeah. the stats game. So, so I think that that was one of the things about Crockett, too, that was the most impressive is that he did it the way he did what he did. It wasn't that like he ran for 400 yards against two really crappy teams and then just put up, you know, some decent number, you know, mediocre numbers the rest of the season. He did it in a big fashion towards the end of the season and he emerged when we needed him most, mm-hmm. you know, type of a thing. So, no, I think you're right. That definitely is probably the biggest surprise. Um, and I, but I also think just the offense in general was a gigantic shock this year. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. We went into the first game thinking like, okay, you know, let's hope that we win nine to six. Yeah, you know, if we can put up like 17 points right. in a game, we're going to be making a massive improvement this right. year. Yeah, and and then we did. I mean, that was 
because what the first game we I mean we we lost obviously but I I want to say we well West Virginia. West Virginia I think we only put up like ten or eleven points in that first game, but all of a, but the all of a sudden like the offense kind of moved the ball a bit and then we played Georgia and that was also at a time when we didn't know Georgia was lousy exactly and so but there was all of this hope because was like, holy crap, our offense looks great against, against Georgia. Conference opponents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, wow, our first conference game. And, and we also didn't. This. And we should have won the game, but, yeah. you know. We also didn't won, know but, that at that time that West Virginia was going to finish 10-2 and two and that's be one true. of the top teams in the Big that's 12. That's true. That's a good point. So I think, you know, if, if you sort of, if you look at those first three games, first four games, because then, you know, we played the two, kind of Delaware State and, and who was the other one? Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. And we just stomp them. But. I mean, I remember playing SEMO and our offense kind of struggling against SEMO. So I, putting up 60 points or whatever against Eastern Michigan, I was happy to see that, and, mm-hmm. and that was good to see. So I think the offense in general was good. I, I mean, as we look towards next year and sort of the hopes for next year, you've got Crockett as uh, running back, but you've got a good group of wide receivers. There's some individuals who I may want to drop kick off of a top of a building or something, but you've got a good group of wide receivers capable. I mean, we saw flashes of of really good things from them. One of them we won't be seeing is Keon DeLosa, who uh, no, was dismissed yeah. from the program, rightfully so. Yeah, it turns out you can't punch a woman in the face and stay on a football team. Well, not every football team. Yeah, some weird. football teams you can, but not at Missouri, I'm proud to say. Yeah, yeah. That is a very good thing. He should have been dismissed for, for that. We have a really good quarterback who, again, he has his issues, but he's got a good arm. He's he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope. That's the thing that I think from our quarterbacks over the last few years we haven't seen is from season to season they look better. Yeah. So that's what I'll be looking for next year is do you look better, Locke, than you did last year, which I think overall he did. Oh, absolutely. And I think for this year compared to I, last year. I think that sometimes some, a few of our listeners pull their hair out whenever they hear us praise Locke because we've been a pretty effusive in our praise, even though he has struggled yeah. a lot. But I, I just see so much potential still now as he's going to enter his junior year. And I see so much improvement that I think it's easy to be negative when you're four and eight, but he's not the reason why we're four yeah. and eight. Just, that's not the reason. Well, and just think back to what our last what, two, three quarterbacks or so? I, mm-hmm. Mock, Franklin, going back. And some of those were good quarterbacks, but from year to year, they didn't get better. Yeah. You just kind of like, you had them, they were that good, and they sort of plateaued. And that mm-hmm. was that was how good they were. And I'm not, you know, dogging on, especially Franklin, who played really well. I'm, I'm remembering him just diving for touchdowns and stuff against SEC opponents, and it was a lot of fun to watch. But... I think we saw some improvement from him this year, which was an important piece that we haven't seen yet. So I'm excited for that. So moving on to look at next season, I put Brian on the spot last week when we talked to him on the phone. But I instead of just asking him for a number, I think I was going to just roll through these games for the 2017 season. Because as I looked at the schedule, I think it's pretty favorable for Missouri. We have some tough conference games, obviously, as we're going to every year. But our non-conference schedule seems pretty manageable. Although I would have told you we would have beaten Middle Tennessee this year. <laughs> That's but a good point, Nick. Let's, let's make our picks for 2017 way too early, as people like to say, but I think it's never too early, and uh, do it based on the schedule itself. So, Brian, obviously we start the season on September 2nd against the Missouri State Bearcats, coached by the old Missouri coach Dave Steckel. Yeah. Well, we actually start, you know, it's funny when you look at the schedule, the first game on the schedule is the black and gold game in the spring. <laughs> you think Mizzou can win that one? Yeah. They barely pulled it out last year. Yeah. Missouri State, that'll be, I feel like, kind of a... Mizzou will win, but it will be a cool game seeing 
Coach Tech will come back. Yeah. That would be really cool. Missouri's going to stop a mud hole in them. They're they're not that good. And um, I'd like to see Steck do well there. But uh, that should be an easy win for the Tigers. Interestingly, we enter conference play in just our second week when we host South Carolina. And um, frankly, based on the direction of South Carolina and the direction of the Tigers, who won the last two or the last three games, I think we can win that game at home. Yeah, I... Gosh, see, this is where it hard gets hard in the beginning of the season here. But they beat us pretty easily this year. I know we finished the year better than they did, but I'm still on the pessimistic train. I know you always are. I know someone has to be. Mm-hmm. Someone can't be the rosemary, you know, all everything is great type of a glasses look thing there. So, you know, eloquent. I, thank you. I think it's a toss up game, and you know what? I am always pessimistic but i'll go ahead and i'll say missouri will win that game i will go ahead and I'll, i will give our tigers the benefit of the doubt that we're going to improve in the offseason to the point where we can beat the goddamn game cocks whatever they name is. all right the uh, the eternal optimist brian so we both got them at two and oh at this point and then okay. we haven't we've had four straight home games our power five non-conference opponent this year will be lowly purdue and i think that i mean granted we have been beaten by indiana at home but i think we can beat purdue at home yeah i would agree i mean purdue for this last season wasn't anything special but then again neither are we so who knows but I'm being really optimistic here for the first three games, saying we're going to be 3-0. I honestly think, though, that South Carolina game is a toss-up, and we could easily be 2-1 and one at this point anyway. But right. I'll, I'll stick Well, with I'll give one. you an opportunity to sort of balance your checkbook here on negativity. We then go uh, – then we we then host Auburn yeah. at home. That should be a fun game for Auburn fans to watch. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't seen them since the uh, 2013 SEC title game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and predict us to lose that one and taking a record of 3-1 and one at that point where we will have our, our bye week. And then we will head on the road to face the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, and Kentucky is looking better this year. I mean, they, they came from just going to be who's, – who's going to be the worst team in the SEC – Kentucky or Van or in the East at least Kentucky or Vanderbilt and they they played I mean at one point I know they weren't going to get it at one point they were in contention for the East title yeah of course then again at one point everyone was in contention for the East <laughs> title because it was such a crappy year in the East but they they have come a long way and I think that's a program that generally speaking is headed in the right direction already so I'm going to take them to win that game all right, I'm going to take Missouri to win its first road game against Kentucky. I, I, I'm just looking at this team, and I'm more optimistic about it. And if we're going to win conference road games, it's going to be games like Kentucky. We're going to have to win. It's true. Then we're heading again on the road next week to Georgia, where I'm going to just go ahead and say I'm going to predict a loss there. Well, the crazy thing is, though, what will that Georgia team be? Nobody. I mean, they are just... Just yeah. hard. To, it's just hard to play in Athens, and that's it's still a year away. So I'm that's what I'm going to go on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't. I I will take the Bulldogs in that game as well. But Georgia is one of those teams where I think a lot a lot like Missouri, where they're just sitting in the offseason, kind of scratching their head, going, mm-hmm. "Where do we go from here? Wait, what?" So that takes us uh, to where I have us four and two. Brian has us at three and three. We come back to Faroe and have one of those weird mid-season uh, out of conference turd games where we host. The Idaho Vandals for homecoming. Well, we all know how that went for homecoming this last year when we hosted one of those non-conference easy win teams. Yeah. Well, despite that, I'm going to go ahead and say we can beat the Vandals. I think we can, too. All right. And if we don't, I quit. Uh I quit. 
So then as part of our Home and Away series, we will be heading to Hartford, Connecticut to face the Yukon Huskies. Yeah, and Tiger fans remember a few years ago when UConn and Missouri, that game was a lot closer than people, I think, wanted it I think it, it was 9-7, to seven and we were, that was when we were learning just how bad our offense uh-huh. was last year. We still won. We won that game when we had arguably the worst offense we've ever had. That I think this is a we're going to be two different, completely different programs two years later. We kicked the shit out of Connecticut. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. They're, they're not very good this year, and I do not think they will be good next year as well. So with that, I have taken us into bowl eligibility. Uh, Brian's not quite there yet. He has us at five and three. I've got us at six and two. We would then come back home and play the defending East champion Florida Gators. Brian, prediction? Oh, uh, Florida is headed in the right direction. I mean, again, down East year, but with their their new coach and whatnot, I think they'll be competing for the East title again next year. So I will take the Gators in that game. I agree. I'm going to have to go ahead and throw a loss on the books for that one. We then host the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, and even though they tanked at the end of the season, you lost to South, or, uh, sorry, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt at the end of the season there. Um, it, talented team, Butch Jones, whether he's there or not, hmm, who knows? That'll actually be kind of one of the more interesting things to follow in the offseason for you. But I'll take the Volunteers. Okay, I'm going to take Missouri. I think Vanderbilt. Oh, um, yeah. It, we're, it's a home game. I think they're losing a lot of talent. This was supposed to be their year for a reason. That's true. That's they're, true. They're not just losing Josh Dobbs. They're all losing a lot of players. And, uh, and granted, they were hurt by injury, but their defense was in utter disarray at the end of this season. I think that they're going to be back down to a level where we should absolutely expect to be in the contention to win a game at home against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm taking us to seven and three. Brian's got us at five and five. And we've got two games, two games left, left on the schedule at Vanderbilt. That's right. And this is one where I think the Tigers will go into Vanderbilt and will beat Vanderbilt because they need to. I mean, yeah. if you, if you can't beat Vanderbilt consistently in the SEC – you don't deserve to be in the SEC. So I think we can beat Vanderbilt as well. I mean, that'll be our eighth win. Brian takes you into now bowl eligibility, eligibility. six and five, and our final game at Arkansas. And this is where I know we just beat them and everything, but I'm going to continue to be the pessimist and say, and again, I'm sticking with my six and six prediction that I made last week. That was without looking at the schedule, I might add, that I think we will drop that game. I think this is going to end up being one of those games that, Depending on how either team is doing, the other team kind of plays up to that. Oh yeah, that I, game. You yeah, know, it's like, not a true rivalry yet, but we have gone back and forth. With exactly, them. and so I think it's one of those things. Missouri caught Arkansas after they were sort of they they peaked and they were on the downside, realizing that uh, we're not exactly as good as we thought we were. And last game of the season, Missouri caught them type thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's with this type of a game. I think every year it's going to be one of those. Um, assuming that one team's not dominant or you know whatnot, but I think it's going to be one of those games where one team is headed in one direction and the other team's headed in another direction. It just happens to be which team is which at that moment. You know, it's so um, I'm going to say we're going to lose that game partly because it's also in uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to go ahead and predict Arkansas to win that one as well, which will take my final prediction to eight and four. Wow, and that is a complete twist off this year where we went four and eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm predicting an eight-win season, it looks like. But I'm looking at the schedule, and granted, I'm being 
pretty optimistic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think last year people looked at the schedule and said anywhere from five to seven to seven and five was sort of the range uh-huh. people were predicting. You were sort of the outlier, but proved correct when you mm-hmm. picked four wins. I think that people generally, Tiger fans, will look at the schedule, and I think six and six to, to eight and four will be the prediction range that yeah. people have. I don't think there's going to be a lot of five and sevens. I certainly don't think there's going to be a lot of nine and three predictions. Yeah. So I think our range is probably within the sort of the barometer of where the rest of the Tiger community is. Yeah. Bowl eligibility has to be the goal. It does. and I, But I think if I had to make a, a range, what I would say is is five to seven, six and six is what I would expect. So if we went five and seven next year, it would not shock me. Because mm-hmm. what that means is you drop the game – you know, to a South Carolina team that turns out to be a little bit better or Purdue, you know, team that turned out to be a little bit better than, than what you thought type of a thing. So, Brian, you always predict the teams that are going to jump up and bite us, but you never predict us to jump up and bite them. That's true. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. And and you know what? And, and that's why, like, yes, I got the record right this year, but I didn't think that that's how the record would play out. Right. You know, I didn't think we would jump up and beat an Arkansas team, and I'm ecstatic that we did. So, you know, that that's where, you know, that gives me some hope going into next year. But I just don't think it's going to be a night and day difference between what we just saw this year and really we saw last year as well and then what we see next year. So, I mean, I think I think I'm being optimistic when I say we're going to go 6 and 6. And I think Tiger fans for the next year or two should just kind of get into the the are we improving from last year mentality, not when are we going to compete for, you know, when are we going to go to Atlanta again? Because I think it's going to be a couple of years before we're back to that point. Well, I don't think we're going to go to Atlanta, but I do think some of this record is a mirage. I think that the defense was in disarray. I think we had a first year coach making first year coach decisions. I think that, you know, we, we missed a ton of opportunities. Games could have gone either way. A lot of games could have gone either way. And I think we've got a really strong talent base especially on the offense, that I don't think a four-game swing is that insane. I mean, you look at a Colorado who went 1-8 and eight in the Pac-12 last year and yeah. went 8-1 and one this year. It's not a thing that doesn't happen. And well, I think we, at, we're in a strong own, position with the schedule and with our talent sure. to make it happen. Look at our own Missouri Tigers in, what, 2013? 2013, 2013? Yes, out of um, over So 12. In, in 2012, we were 1-7 in the SEC. And then in 2013, I think we flipped that, and we were like 6-2, and two, if I remember right. Yeah. Some, something like that. Should have so, been 7-1. So, I, I mean, you are right in, in that that sense. And there's certainly enough talent on this team, I think, to do that. But the big head scratcher I have is is the defense. I mean, if the defense oh, yeah. turns around and gets anywhere remotely close to what it's been the last three years, yeah, your your scenario is is spot on. But I just, I can't, the problem is I can't pick, point to one thing and say that we just fixed this on the mm-hmm. defense. Therefore, like what we need to fix on defense is something called tackling. Yeah. And I just, I don't know that that happens in one season. <laughs> Again, that's where my optimism fills the gap because you're absolutely right. We don't have any answers there, but we'll see in a year. So I think it's we ought to wrap things up now because uh, the next thing to happen for the football world will be the college football playoff. Thank you again for listening to us this year. We really appreciate all the new listeners, all the old listeners who are sticking with us. Listenership seems to go up. Our Twitter feed seems to go up. We would like for you to go to the mazodcast.com website because we're putting content up there. If we, even if we're not airing shows, we're going to be putting stuff up throughout the off season that you may want to pay attention to, and uh, hopefully we'll get some scoops for you in recruiting and whatnot so follow us again on twitter at mazodcast you can always email us mazodcast at gmail.com ask us for a sticker if you'd like we'd love to send you one 
buy a copy of Mizzou Sports Through the Ages. It's a great Christmas coffee table book I've been hearing a lot about, Brian. Yeah. It seems like yep. maybe one of the best Missouri sports books ever written in the history of time. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, I don't know how quite go that far, but it's definitely the best Missouri sport coffee table book ever written. I'd, in that, I think I don't know of any others. I would say so. it possibly the greatest work of the written word hmm. in history. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would probably go Homer, Brendan, the Bible, and then whoever wrote the Bible. Yeah, yeah, God, I guess. Yeah, he takes a lot of credit for it. I don't, I don't know. Who? I wonder who copy edited it though. That was yeah. Really that'd be big. a tough job, you know. <laughs> you should be like, um, God, you uh, you misspelled your there. You <laughs> yeah, the apostrophe yeah. version. You needed a comma here. Mm-hmm. You know, I realize you're infallible, but. Not in the English language, apparently. Yeah, I guess the language changes when God's Christ. He spoke Hebrew, I think. Okay. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I think you're fair enough. He, yeah, I, no, Translation. I, I think he spoke American. Did he? Yeah. yeah. All right. We are definitely going to yes. wrap things up. Yes. So, anyway, thanks, everybody, again for listening. We'll come at you sporadically as, uh, as we have need to. So uh, I'm sure Colin would sign off for you. But until then, M-I-Z. C-O-U. Tinkerbell got smushed. <laughs>